Hey, functional friends, Bren Vermeyer here. Welcome to the Holistic Savage podcast, where we like to talk about all things related to functional health, including functional medicine, functional fitness, functional spirituality, functional psychology, and basically everything in between. And of course, you can't spell functional without fun. So we like to have a good time on this show. Now, before we get started with introducing today's honored guest, I want to remind you all that the content of this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not at all intended to be a replacement for supervised healthcare. So be sure that you're working proactively with your licensed healthcare provider to make sure that all of your healthcare and medical needs are being met effectively. Of course, if you're interested in our functional services at Metabolic Solutions, you can send us an email at info at metabolicsolutionsllc.com. And of course, visit our website, metabolicsolutionsllc.com. Also, if you love this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you share it with your family and friends, like it, follow us, subscribe, review. It really means the world because ultimately, I believe that the greatest miss involves to teach people how not to need it. And the first step towards change is awareness and then education and empowerment. So that is what my platform is dedicated to. That's what this podcast is dedicated to, is helping educate and empower self-healers around the world so that they can overcome their greatest health objectives. So be sure to subscribe and leave us a positive review and don't forget to share with your loved ones. So without further ado, let's get started with today's guest. Thank you so much for being here. All right, functional friends, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Holistic Savage podcast. So today I am very excited to have my functional friend and returning guest, Dr. Will Cole back onto the show as we're gonna be talking about intuitive fasting. So please allow me to formally introduce my friend. Dr. Will Cole is a leading functional medicine expert and consults with people around the world via webcam and locally in Pittsburgh. He specializes in clinically investigating underlying factors of chronic disease and customizing health programs for thyroid issues, autoimmune conditions, hormonal dysfunctions, digestive disorders, and brain problems. Dr. Cole was named one of the top 50 functional medicine and integrative doctors in the nation and is a health expert and course instructor for the world's largest wellness brands such as Mind, Body Green, and Goop. So it's really an honor to have Dr. Will Cole back on the show. He first joined us in a previous season and we talked about all sorts of amazing nutrition related topics, but today we are talking about intuitive fasting. So let's get started with the show. Welcome everybody back to the Holistic Savage podcast, where we like to talk about everything related to functional health, including functional medicine, spirituality, psychology, fitness, and everything in between. So today I'm super excited to have my rock star functional bro, Dr. Will Cole, back <laughs> on the podcast. Will, how are you doing, my friend? Hey, man. I'm good to be... I'm, I'm very blessed. Thank you for asking. How are you? How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing well. It's, it's good to see you. I know... Uh, 2020 has been kind of a crazy year and uh, mm -hmm. you know it was such an awesome first conversation we had on the podcast like uh, gosh that was like a year ago at this point so super excited to have you back on because the word on the street is that you have a new book coming out. It's true it's true so I, I um, you know my day job is consulting people online via webcam we started actually one of the first functional medicine telehealth clinics in the world so that has not changed for the past 12 years. It's what my main focus has been. But I love this stuff so freaking much on like long weekends and like evenings. I I love writing too about this. So um, I written, wrote Ketotarian 2018, 2019. Um, it was the inflammation spectrum. And then 2020 just took, it's been crazy enough. I, I, I just focused solely on patient stuff and writing this book. So no book came out in 2020. Um, but the 
February 23rd to the beginning of 2021, Intuitive Fasting will be released. So it's on pre-order when people hear this. Um, and if they hear about this after February 23rd, 2021, they can get it. Uh, but yeah, it's been, uh, as all these books have been, just outward extensions of my clinical experience and really what I love digging into. And I don't want to like, I love applying it to patients' lives on a clinical setting, but it's really cool to write about it so people can kind of take some of this information for themselves and do with it what they will, because um, I know how transformational it can be for one's improving someone's life. So I wanted to deep dive into intermittent fasting, but in a flexible, intuitive way and teach people about that and what that even means, because um, it is such a principle that I teach to my patients. Absolutely, man. And, you know, I know you're a busy guy. We were both in uh, New York City back in February before the whole world shut down. And, right, uh, right, right. You know, I, I too love writing. And, uh, but, you know, just seeing uh, everything you're doing, it's like, wow. And you're somehow finding the time, making the time to, you know, write all these books and whatnot. But I totally agree with what you're saying. Cause obviously, you know, working with uh, clients and patients virtually, which, you know, what a year for that. I mean, 2020, it's like, if you didn't already have like an online practice in place, everybody trying to make that hard pivot. Mm -hmm. um, and so of course that one-on-one -on -one consulting is going to be, you know, one of the most powerful ways to transform your health. But I, I love what our whole industry is doing with just pouring so much good information out there through, you know, all of our social media platforms and, you know, a $30 book or something could very well dramatically change somebody's life or at least be that, you know, first step to kind of educate and empower them. So they have those tools to uh, yeah. kind of be their own self healer. So I, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly, it's really cool because I am used to managing cases really carefully and clear, like um, walking through it and controlling it. Right. But it's quite different when you see somebody on social media, like use a hashtag for the book it's like, whoa, like their health has changed so dramatically just with this information and me walking them through exactly how to do these things. It is really cool. It's been a new thing for the past two years for me that it's still not, I'm not used to it yet. It's really neat to see uh, people having agency over their health in a different way. Absolutely. You know, my, uh, my friend, Dr. Nicole, um, friend and client, we just had her on for round two, like last week, and we'll air that episode here pretty soon, um, you know, and she's kind of the queen of the self-healer movement, or then my other friend, Dr. Adam Miller, we talked about that citizen scientist. And so, you know, ultimately, though, either either term, either phrase, it's like, well, we're talking about the education empowerment and uh, kind of this mass participation in the, the collective healing of humanity. And so yeah. that's really kind of where we're seeing sort of the yeah. whole health industry go is, it is. It's not, you know, I'm in control of your health and I tell you what to do. It's no, let me educate and empower you and help guide you to it. So mm -hmm. with your first book, you know, Ketotarian and then second book was Inflammation Spectrum. Um, and I love how you break down the diet so simply of how to navigate, you know, what foods might be really pro-inflammatory and obviously inflammation kind of being the, the big driver. But I'd love to, you know, as we kind of dive into the subject of fasting of, you know, why fasting? Why did you feel compelled to write an entire book on uh, fasting? Mm -hmm. Well, it's a principle, a tool that we've used clinically for a long time. It's obviously on having its zeitgeist moment uh, around, you know, it's it, for the past couple of years, it really has, but I think it hasn't even hit its full crescendo. I think the virus probably shifted that conversation a little bit, but fasting is an amazing tool to actually support a healthy immune system, really. So what better time than now to actually support the immune system in a powerful way? So it's a conversation that I had briefly in Ketotarian. I talked about fasting there. I, I talked to briefly in the inflammation spectrum, but I wanted to have a bigger conversation about how to do it because it's to me, like when I use the title intuitive fasting, I want people to get to a place of intuitive eating, but it's really hard to do that when there's a lot of imbalance going on. And I think, you know, you can just look outside globally and see that there's a lack of balance going on in the body, uh, going on globally. And we are a part of that nature hit get too. I mean, you like talking about this spiritual stuff too. So, I mean, there is an intrinsic balance. It's like sown and into our universe like uh, the the cosmos is quilted with this duality that's that's there that humans 
would have co-evolved with for a long time. But now more than ever, we are, we think, so divorced from nature that we've lost touch with that sort of primal thing that's encoded in our DNA. So I, it's to me, I want people to actually know the still small voice of their intuition, but it's really hard to do that when they're in a state of internal imbalance. Like there's climate change going on globally. I think we've talked about this before. There's, and there's also that internal climate change going on in the form of chronic inflammation. So that is really why I called the book intuitive fasting, because it's hard to discern what is intuition and what is imbalance like is it intuition or is it hangriness is it intuition or hormone imbalance is it intuition or insatiable cravings like craving that donut and being a slave to those insatiable cravings is not intuitive eating or intuitive fasting or intuitive just being so i really wanted people to lean into this book as using this amazing tool of flexible intermittent fasting to gain metabolic flexibility mm-hmm. so at that point Metabolic flexibility allows your body to have proper signaling pathways to actually hear what your body loves and what your body hates. So it's just a deeper conversation about that and how to, it's almost like a proverbial yoga class for your metabolism where we're starting with lighter fast, leading into deeper fast and then back out. So just like at the end of that yoga class, you have that Shavasana and you're laying down and relaxing. That's what I want people to have for their metabolism, where they actually have a good workout, so to speak, a good stretching and contracting of the metabolism to gain that flexibility. So it's definitely not your typical intermittent fasting conversation because it's actually quite a deeper spiritual uh, learning about yourself that we're using the tool of fasting to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, I love that. When I first uh, heard what the the title of the book was going to be, I got really excited because you know, intermittent fasting has obviously gained, you know, a tremendous amount of attention and popularity. And there's all of this really cool research that's come out about it that we're all kind of, you know, staying up to date with. And what I've been saying about fasting for a long time, it's, it's one of those like, hey, like, it's an amazing tool, but there's, there's no magic rules to it of like, oh, 16, eight, or, or however it is. And of course, we're a lot of, you know, dieters and, and standard American gen pop people, kind of go wrong is, is trying to force things a lot, you know, and that's where it gets into that vicious cycle. And so I loved that because I, I had never even really thought to use the word intuitive, but I've always tried to communicate to, to clients of like, well, you have to listen to your biofeedback. We have to, mm-hmm. you know, kind of resync back up with, with that innate wisdom that your body mm-hmm. has. And, you know, no yeah. clinician can um, do that for you. They can mm-hmm. help teach you how to, you know, cultivate that intuition mm-hmm. in that um, synchronicity, if you will. Um, so I love that. And so I, I, let's start kind of breaking this down a little bit of, um, you know, what does it mean to intuitive fast? So first and foremost, let's kind of cover, you know, what are some of the major health benefits of fasting? Cause I think that gets kind of confusing with people throwing out all these words like autophagy and, you know, everything else of like, ah, what does it mean? So, um, from your perspective, what do you think are some of the most powerful aspects of fasting? Yeah. Well, going back to that sort of core uh, principle of metabolic flexibility, I think a lot of the far reaching health benefits kind of stem from, at least in part, that because most people are stuck in this sugar burning mode. And the analogy that's used often, it's a good analogy, is like kindling on the fire. You're going to get a little bit of light, but it's going to burn out. So you're going to have to have six kindling sessions a day, <laughs> the three meals plus the, the you know, the, the snacks in between meals. That is most people's every day. They're in this kindling burning mode. And look, there's cleaner kindling out there. Uh, like if you go for whole foods that are carbs or sugars and smoothies and fruits and starches and all that stuff, even if it's all healthy and organic and whole foods, uh, it's still kindling nonetheless. Uh, the alternative is being more fat adapted or keto adapted. Um, so that's why I talked about intermittent fasting and ketotarian because it mimics. I mean, if you look at the research around intermittent fasting and the ketogenic diet, you'll see a lot of the same mechanisms exper- uh, explored because the ketogenic diet is in many ways mimicking the benefits of fasting without actually fasting. So it's a good complementary. It's really a part of that ketogenic lifestyle. And um, so, but there's so much research showing that you actually don't have to change your diet much to get the benefits of intermittent fasting, just the specific windows of eating that I talk about in the book to really leverage the benefits of fasting. 
But with that said, in my opinion, it is amplified exponentially when you eat, eat a clean diet with it. Uh, so I'm not advocating people to fast their way out of a poor diet either. But for the sake of research, we had to look at the efficacy of does this stand alone? Fasting, does this stand alone or is it just caloric restriction or changing of the diet? So we had studies had to have been done to show that. But for the sake of real life, I want people to actually lean into this with real food and uh, yeah. So anyways, the metabolic flexibility is like putting a log on the fire. It's more sustainable, more slow burning, and it allows that, that metabolic agility or flexibility. That is a good thing. The, uh, a, re, a term in the research is metabolic indecision. Like it's sort of this metabolic purgatory that many people find themselves in. They're kind of not fully fat adapted. They try to go off with sugar and they feel horrible. That's a sign of that metabolic inflexibility or rigidity. I want people to have that grace and lightness that comes with metabolic flexibility because it's really no fun to be be a slave to cravings yeah. or fatigue or blood sugar roller coaster. That's no fun at all. So to have that sort of effortlessness and ease to your meals and your life, where you're not bound by the next snack or the next breakfast, lunch, and dinner, that is such a place of empowerment and a place of freedom that I want people to find for themselves. So there's so many benefits from that, but the body's producing during the fasting, it's producing at least lower amounts, two higher amounts of ketones. That's Ketogenic diet and fasting both produce ketones, beta-hydroxybutyrate. So that's a signaling molecule. It does a lot of cool things for our body. Researchers actually refer to beta-hydroxybutyrate, this ketone, as the fourth macronutrient. So we have proteins, fats, carbs, and ketones. So you're like allowing your body to make this fourth macronutrient so your body can really utilize it in a way that hasn't been used probably since you were a baby. Babies are born making ketones, but they kind of lost that birthright living in modernity and all its sort of convenience foods and sugar and things that turn into sugar. So it's a really cool thing where, you know, Paracelsus, the father of one of the father of modern medicine, like the other Hippocrates, he was known the father of toxicology in like the late 1400s in Switzerland. He was known as the Martin Luther of medicine because he was like a reformer of medicine. He called fasting as the physician within. So it's sort of tapping into this, this, what's actually encoded in our DNA, because again, we would have evolved over times of whether it's food availability or intentional times of fasting. People use fasting for many different reasons, for spiritual reasons, medicinal reasons. Hippocrates used it for his patients too. So it's all this cool stuff where we're uh, leveraging the benefits that's encoded in our DNA to really upregulate all these cool physician within stuff like autophagy that you mentioned. I love that uh, exploring that. I know that you do too, but this cellular renewal, cellular recycling, if you break that word down, autophagy, it's self-eating. It's all your healthy cells gobbling up the dysfunctional cells. So it's a great anti-aging, anti-disease pathway that you're tapping into when you're in this state of fasting, as well as increasing stem cells and mitochondrial biogenesis, actually making new mitochondria, lowering all those neuroinflammatory pathways, systemic inflammatory pathways, increasing antioxidant pathways, increasing BDNF for your brain, brain-derived neurotropic factor, actually making new neurons. So much cool stuff. I mean, decreasing metabolic issues, insulin resistance. I can go on and on. There's so much cool stuff that really the physician within is doing. Mm -hmm. That's all it's doing. You're allowing your inner physician to actually do its job. Mm -hmm. So that's in a nutshell what it is. Absolutely. I think it was... Uh... I think it was Voltaire that said, uh, you know, the art of medicine is, you know, entertaining the patient while nature, you know, does the work or whatever, something <laughs> like that. I love that. that. Yeah, so you cool. know, it's so good. I was on uh, Dr. Mindy's podcast recently, and, you know, she's really big into fasting with her community. And um, so we were chatting about that, and I kind of made the joke. I was like, yeah, have you heard of that new diet where sometimes you just don't eat? And if you think about it, you know, it is funny just how myopic humans are as, as a species. We're so myopic. We're so, you know, short-sighted. And so what I love about science, especially modern science, is, you know, the science just always ends up leading us back to nature. And, and really what kind of should be common sense, but it's not until we get slapped in the face with that scientific research that it's like, you know, wait a second, like it's not normal or ideal or natural to eat, you know, three perfect meals per day, let alone the five to six that 
we've been promoting in the past 50 years for, you know, bodybuilding or, um, you know, carb cycling and all of that. So it's just, it's amazing how the, the field of nutrition has evolved really over the past 10 to 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a huge shift just in, in my 10 years of career so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's great. And, you know, you mentioned the, the neurogenesis and BDNF. I was just talking about that um, in a lecture the other week. Super cool where I was reading some research on, yeah, so it was like autophagy and BDNF are, you know, the mechanisms involved that are, you know, increasing neurogenesis in, in times of food scarcity, which it kind of makes sense, right? Like if you were a, a caveman, you know, I, I picture Dr. Will Cole with a club and, you know, hunting down a caribou or something. And it's like, well, if you're in an energy scarce environment, you're going to need more, um, you know, mental acuity. You're going to need to be able to form new neural networks to be able to navigate what is a life or death situation. So, you know, it's amazing to see how um, we don't have to constantly be packing food, you know, down our tubes. Maybe it helps to give that GI tract a break, or maybe it helps to let your body um, have a chance to spend energy clearing out old cells, like you said, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's like our world on a macro level and a micro level, again, that connection, like as a, as below, so below and vice versa, that it is, the world is in a desperate need for a pause and a stillness. And there's so much lack of stillness, lack of pause going on that, that, that slight time restricted feeding is that pause that I think the human body needs in many ways to repair because it's always go, 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 that just for a little bit, let's allow the body to actually have a kind of metaphorical proverbial siesta where we can actually just repair and Mm -hmm. and clean house and have like a spring cleaning, but it needs that more than just in springtime. It needs actually pretty regularly to repair and, and to be optimal. So when you get that metabolic flexibility, you can have a true vantage point of knowing what your body loves and what your body hates. You're not bound by you know, people like us pontificating different things or what you've heard on a blog or what you've heard or your, you know, your family members tell you, you can really tro- know, have a deep body intuition for yourself because that's the heart of functional medicine. It's bio-individuality. Mm-hmm. And if I hung my hat on one way of doing things for everybody, I'd be proven wrong all day long. So yes, we, there's, there's the science and the art of what we do, this duality of what we do in functional medicine. But the reality is that that we have to learn the art side of things as clinicians, as practitioners to say, okay, let's not just look at what's appropriate on paper and what, like, what's the, what the labs say, or what, what's, what's our education and training tell us, but how do we really hear that space in between the words of what our patients' lives are telling us? The li- their patients' lives tell us a lot without them even knowing how to even verbalize it. Um, and I want people to also learn that for themselves. Oh, and that also that science and art for themselves. Um, and that's a good thing. Like you said, it's just allowing them to, it's empowering them with this information and allowing nature to do what it, what it does. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a moment to thank you all so much for listening to the Holistic Savage podcast. We on the Holistic Savage team all really appreciate you and want to stay connected with you. So please rate, review, and subscribe to help the podcast grow. And if you like the podcast, help get the word out. And now back to the show. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, in in today's you know, the, the age of data, the age of technology, and people are so overwhelmed and, and so confused. And so uh, I love kind of the trend I'm seeing in our industry of it is a little bit of an unlearning process of, you know, yes, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff that we're learning about and new therapeutics and clinical strategies or whatnot. But without those fundamentals in place, it, it really doesn't get you too far. And so, you know, I think it's important for people rather than getting, you know, caught down the rabbit hole of any of these cool subjects that we love talking about in our space, but rather like look at what the similarities are of what all the experts are, are preaching is like, these are the fundamentals, you know, that whole food diet and the rest and the, the fasting. So I'd love to hear, um, maybe you can tease us a little bit about sort of the flow of the book, almost like the outline in the flow, because I'm sure it's going to be a, a literary journey per usual. Thank you. Yeah. So I start the book off with really 
giving people the context and the ethos of why we're doing what we're doing. This is not like a stale book. I really want people to discover themselves in a really deep way. So um, it starts off with an intro that I'm really, really excited for people to read. But from there, we're kind of learning about metabolic flexibility, learning about the science of fasting, where it came from, the origins of it, the sort of the science and the spirituality of fasting. Uh, and then also the current research that like science is catching up with that antiquity that humans would have done it out of necessity or intentionally used fasting for a long time. And again, our, most of our genetics, 99% of our genetics haven't changed in 10,000 years. So we are understanding this genetic epigenetic mismatch, this evolutionary mismatch is really at the heart of researchers explaining as at least a component, if not the entirety of why we're seeing the epidemic rise of chronic health problems, metabolic issues and autoimmune conditions. And I would say mental health issues too. So it's really understanding that and look, this is a way, using fasting as a way to decrease that ever-growing chasm between genetics and epigenetics so we can be more in alignment with what our bodies would have evolved with and adapted with of what our very being, our very physical being. So um, that's really what the, where the book kind of digs into. But the intuitive fasting plan, it's a four-week flexible fasting plan that you can do as many cycles as you need to. I mean, you and I know this, that metabolic flexibility, depending on where you're starting from, isn't going to be entirely achieved in four weeks, but there are four week cycles. You can check in with your body and say, okay, how far am I into this? Let's do another two, three, four, five, sometimes, you know, on and ongoing to continue this. This is a lifestyle. This isn't a program in that sense. It's just integrating this wellness principle into your life. But I think four week increments are nice because you can actually reevaluate and learn about your body see if you need to adjust anything, but still give you enough of a consistency over four weeks to stick with something. And um, so there's a week one is the body reset week. So it's a lighter fast. Then we dig a bit deeper into a metabolic recharge fast. Three Week three is the deeper fast. It's a cellular renewal fast. That's when we're getting into autophagy and uh, stem cell activation and longevity benefits, mitochondrial benefits. And then let me just say this week three, that cellular renewal, it's a almost OMAD approach. So it's a one meal a day, almost ish. That's a 22 to two fasting to eating window. And we're doing that every other day. And then we're doing a clean ketogenic diet on the odd day because it's mimicking the same benefits of fasting, but it's getting the caloric intake in a wider window. So you're not too restrictive. Um, and then week four, we're in a hormonal rebalancing week. So we've loosened back up, back into a 12-12 fast where you're, it's basically very easy, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. or 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. fasting to eating window. And you can do more clean carb cycling those days. So you and I both know, I think there's a time and place for burning that log on the fire or ketones or burning fat for fuel. But then there's a time and place for burning kindling on the fire too. And uh, that is good for many women. It's good for people stuck at plateaus. It's good just from a personal preference and like food variety standpoint and gut microbiome diversity standpoint. So we're increasing clean carbs strategically throughout the week uh, on that fourth week to build up glycogen uh, production and also just to help with progesterone function, thyroid conversion, all that stuff that balance. It's really about the balance. And I think that there's a time and place for logs and kindling and it's not a one or the other. And I think that both sides can be so tribal with like ketosis all the way or ketosis is bad for people. It's like, well, the truth is oftentimes somewhere in the middle. And that's what I'm showing of those four weeks. Yeah, they're both right in context. So let's kind of dig into these amazing tools that make sense uh, and context matters. And that's definitely the four weeks, what I'm teaching people is how to use all of these things. It's not so absolute uh, all the time. Super cool. That's honestly, that's super badass because, you know, I, I love how, you know, you have kind of, I almost picture it like fasting boot camp or something. Um, but you described it perfectly, the the analogy earlier of like a workout, right? You know, you're if you, you know, it's like the couch to 5k. If, if you've been yeah. super sedentary, you probably don't want to just like jump into like a super hard CrossFit workout, you're going to get wrecked. Mm -hmm. um, so similarly, you know, fasting is one of those. Uh, it's a tool, it's a lifestyle, something that you have to condition your metabolism for. And so if you don't have that, you know, you have that metabolic rigidity, and, and you're trying to develop that flexibility, you know, you do you have to create these workouts. And mm -hmm. I've never thought to kind of create like a, 
you know, structured week by week system. But what I've always just tried to help people with is like back in the day when I was doing a lot more coaching of kind of, all right, well, maybe we do have them logging food, you know, logging food can Mm -hmm. be a helpful, you know, way to learn about nutrition when you're um, first getting started. But I always would think like, okay, so if we want to look at the macros and the food log, that's cool. And that's kind of like one training wheel on the bicycle. Uh, But then the other training wheel is kind of that biofeedback. So I'd have a monitor like their, their hunger, their energy, their cravings, their, their mood, you know, throughout the day, pre and post meals. Um, Because I think it's important to, you know, there's all those variables of, you know, we don't want to malnourish you. We don't want to starve you too long. Um, but at the same time, we do want to tap into those, those deeper benefits. And so yeah. it is, I, I, I'm super excited to try your four week regimen myself to see like, where is my metabolic flexibility? So yeah. do you have them, is there like a, almost like a journal, uh, kind of companion guide or something that you instruct them to? Yeah. Yeah. The book's quite almost, it kind of walks them through it. So yeah, they could definitely journal their foods and how they feel. And one way that we do that in the book is there's a quiz before and after the four weeks so they can kind of check in with themselves and they can grade themselves on their sort of how metabolically flexible are you at the beginning versus the end to sort of subjectively quantify their metabolic flexibility improvements over four weeks. And then as they do cycles of the four weeks, they'll see their score improve. Mm -hmm. They'll become more metabolically flexible. So we're leveraging the benefits of this fasting that's flexible with a ketotarian diet, which has some flexible options in there too, but it's using that as a baseline because it is mimicking a lot of the same benefits of fasting. So when you are breaking your fast, you're still actually leveraging, leaning into those fasting too. You're not necessarily throwing yourself out of ketosis, but it's strategically. So we're bringing in more clean carb cycling appropriately based on the week. Uh, and then we have a ketotarian is pescatarian, uh, vegetarian and vegan keto options. But I also added like, a a flexible like uh, option too with some grass-fed beef in there too. So it's not super plant-based like, or it doesn't have to be super plant-based like ketotarian was. So I wanted people to really just learn about the fasting, but I think these food principles don't go away. And I think I really want people to amplify the benefits of the fast. So I teach how to do that. But look, I also show the studies in the book that says, look, you don't not necessarily have to even change your diet that much to seek some cool benefits, but I don't want people to fast their way out of a really nutrient less diet. I I don't think that's a good idea. It's needed for research to show the benefits of fasting. It's not necessarily something I would advocate for the average person to do because it can really lean to, well, I just binged and did ate really horribly and now I'm going to fast now. And it's, it's really a different iteration of this sort of punishing and shaming your body and that's not good. Like, oh my gosh, I did really bad and now I'm going to like really just be deep fast. Now, once in a while, we're all human and that can happen. But I think you can mess a lot of times people's relationship with food and their bodies up majorly. And I don't want disordered eating disguised as a wellness practice. And I think that people can have that orthorexia or anorexia, like binging and bulimia, like binging, purging. That's not good either. Uh, So this is the antithesis of that. This is really a measured, flexible moderate approach to really healthy foods that balance the blood sugar. So you're not having insatiable cravings when you are in a deep fast. So that's not good. You actually feel, yeah, a deep, like you did a solid fast, but you're not like blood sugar, insatiable craving, hangry monster, and like binging that bad stuff. I want people to actually fall on and lean into these, this food that's very therapeutic and conducive and congruent with the fast. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because certainly I, I think there could be a very fine line in between, you know, very unhealthy relationship with food and self and, and more disordered eating versus, um, you know, a therapeutic approach out of self-love. And, you know, ultimately it kind of comes down to like the, uh, the, you know, the attitude that you're approaching it with is, is this being, you know, motivated from a place of self-loathing or a a place of self-love? Because certainly, you know, I remember back in the day, early beginning my career, I was big into bodybuilding at the time, which ironically becoming a health professional and doing bodybuilding made my health habits way worse, you know, made me super neurotic and orthorexic. I used to be that guy that measured every gram of food on my scale and, and whatnot. And yeah, you know, there was a lot of binging and whatnot. 
and the big thing that changed for me was the day that I finally had enough with all that toxic behavior. And I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm going to simplify and go back to, you know, nothing but real food from the earth. I eat whatever I want, whenever I want it, you know, just those bare minimum rules. And it forces you to become a little bit more in tune because, you know, that is the risk of you push it too far and you're, you know, cracking the whip on yourself. But then, yeah, if you just binge on a bunch of, um, you know, junk food, it kind of just totally dismantles the whole purpose of what we're trying to do. So mm-hmm. I think it's really cool too, of now with your third book, like you're, you've really now built a series of books that I think if you follow those kind of in order of, you know, building that foundation of the healthy diet with ketotarian, you know, being able to identify your trigger foods and inflammatory foods through mm-hmm. inflammation spectrum, whereas then, you know, intuitive fasting is, is almost like that that mecca, that ultimate of like uh, the higher skill level to be mm-hmm. able to live that lifestyle, would you say? Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Uh, and I thought of that myself too. I think that that I didn't plan it that way, but like the keto, I talked about the concept of inflammation spectrum actually in ketotarian because beta hydroxybutyrate lowers inflammation. So then in the second book, I'm allowed to have a deeper conversation about that. And I talk about fasting, both of them. So it is definitely almost like a, a deeper dive in, into these concepts. And yeah, they all complement complement each other. And depending on when people are at on their wellness journey, they may resonate one more than the other. And that's fine. But yeah, it's definitely something that starting off with the basics is definitely a good starting point. And uh, I mentioned that in the book, like if they want to keep it simple and even maybe in the body reset week, week one, when they're doing like a light fast, maybe they need to stay in that week for another week. Maybe they need to stay in that for two or three weeks. You can repeat that week. And I, I it's okay. I, I'd rather you get the basics done, for, done first versus feeling rushed. So this can be self-paced. Um, and take as much time as you want because you and I both want the same thing for people. It's like this is not like a fad crash thing. This is like this is, you're in this for the long haul, and we're integrating wellness into your life. So sometimes that body reset week turns into a body reset month for some people. Not that they couldn't lean into more, but it's sometimes it's easier, even if you're leaning into it slower than you think you should. You're still leaning into it. So I think that that's okay. And where I realize that just like I meet with patients at different points of their journey, the reader is going to be at different points of their journey compared to the next person. And I say that throughout the book, like, don't be too hard on yourself, like go back and repeat that week, not out of failure, but because you may need more time there, your metabolism may need more time there before you lean into those deeper fasts. And that's okay. Like the foundationals are sometimes not given the respect that they deserve, but they're called foundationals for a reason because things fall over without a firm foundation. And that's certainly a paramount here. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, and so um, I'm going to take a wild stab and I'm guessing that your, you know, your four week uh, program in the book, I'm guessing you probably developed that from working with one-on-one clients. And so is this like a, a program or kind of method that you developed through using with some of your, your clients or patients? And I'd be curious of um, when you are work, working with somebody one-on-one, how do you kind of determine if like, hey, we should go this route or like you're not quite ready for that? Or, you know, if there's different demographics that you think might be better suited to, uh, yeah. to jump in. Yeah. Everything in the book are iterations of what I use in the patient. So none of it's like untested. Yeah. <laughs> it's all like clinically experience tested, but also I'm backing it up with research too. So, uh, but it's when you write a book, you have to codify it in the sense of, okay, I'm not going to be there walking someone through this. So I wanted it to be legit on its own without me handholding it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, it is a lot more, um, specific, uh, for people when you're talking to someone via webcam, you can adjust things in real time and you're talking to them, you understand their case better and evolve it. You know that. So it's like, but for a reader of the book, that's not the case. So, uh, the actual like weeks, they're all things separately that I use for patients, but I really work on the book as a whole to have it make sense if I'm not there walking them through it. Um, so I was actually in the, if you want to get real, uh, personal here, I was actually in the bathtub, 
thinking about like what makes sense, like how do I work, verbalize this? How do I like have it make sense for the person? And it kind of just dawned on me, like how, what each type of fast is research around it. So this whole concept of like reset, recharge, renew, rebalance those four weeks uh, wasn't just because they all started with the prefix re it was like because they actually that's what they were doing and that's what I want patients to do and that's what I want the reader to to learn from themselves too so it kind of all like I, I just again I love writing so it kind of all made sense it fell on the line that it wasn't just uh it really didn't just make sense but on a clinical level but it's going to make sense from a reader standpoint too mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely so certainly, and I love know, my baths, by the way, too. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty <laughs> sure all the listeners are going to get all hot and bothered. Picking the bathtub, right? I, 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 yeah, I like taking showers before you like, clean off because I don't like, you know what I mean? Right. But right. like then, then like baths, like I, self-care is like a good, important thing. It's not just I, I practice what I teach for sure. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you have to. You have to. Well, so I'm curious then on that note, too, of um, what does Dr. Will Cole's fasting regimen look like obviously you know you you have a lot more metabolic flexibility so it's Mm -hmm. probably not going to be applicable to every listener but i'd be curious what your uh fasting routine looks like i love that so i have done all of these fasts and i've done these cycles for for myself too and writing the book and just testing out the flow of it all and like is it easy to understand uh uh, so i've done these but my go-to fastings and I mentioned this in the book like today I'm doing an OMAD because I'm doing the 22 to 2 fasting and eating the window fasting to eating window and a lot of my team is doing it this week with me too so I'll do that intermittently uh probably once a month I am just like in the book I'm doing an OMAD like once a month uh and I am or what I should say one week a month, not just once a month, but one week out of the month, I'm doing an OMAD, just like week three in intuitive fasting. But my go-to fast is about an 18 hour fast, which is a 12 to six eating window. I'll typically will fast until lunchtime. I'll eat between noon and six. I'm not super like obsessive about that. If it's like 6.30 or seven, if I get home later, that's totally fine too. But it's around a 17 to 18 hour fast. That's typically Monday through Thursday, every day. Uh, but I have that ability to do that. So I want people to kind of find their sweet spot, but that's part of intuitive intuition as well as, as they do a couple cycles of the four weeks, they're going to learn, they feel better on certain types of fast, maybe, or have a preference on certain types of fast. So they don't have to, once they grow in intuition and hear that, that deeper inner voice of what their body wants and doesn't want, they can rest in certain fast and be fine. That's what I want people to do. And that's like the ending of the book is kind of showing is like these four weeks are meant to build metabolic flexibility. And yeah, you can do a couple cycles of it. But from there, you're not going to just gain more metabolic metabolic flexibility. You're going to experiment with yourself where you feel the best on. And this is bio-individuality, that earlier, earlier topic is that maybe some people want to do more OMADs. Maybe some people want to do less. Maybe some people want to do just lighter time restricted feeding some people don't so that is the second goal of doing these cycles is that you're learning about your body mm-hmm. love it you know in in the uh like i i too i i tend to find it very easy of i'm usually just not even hungry until you know one two o'clock so i, I like that kind of mm-hmm. you know 18 six um window myself and i'm curious you probably i'm guessing you probably cover this in the book of you know, when I I always like to look at things like through the lens of evolution, because it always makes sense. And it usually works. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so I think about the hunter gatherers, kind of paleolithic bipedal hominids. And so you think about the the male hunter gatherers of their they're out hunting, and then, you know, maybe the females are gathering or back at the cave with the cave children. Um, So you know, I'm sure that we'll learn more about this with with time and research, and I'm sure there's a lot to it already. But fasting for men versus women, and you know the types of food, I would imagine my my guess based on what I know is, you know, men probably can fast a little bit longer and harder. They probably do better with more like fat and protein. Women, maybe they, you know, I, I picture like nuts and seeds and little berries that they're gathering. I don't know. I, I'd be curious if there's much of like a gender difference or if that's uh, discussed in the book. 
It is discussed in the book. Absolutely. Because there is differences of fasting. And that's something that I point out and many women point out too. A lot of the research has been done on men, not on women. And we know women have obviously very different uh, variables to consider when it comes to even just something as obscure as higher kispeptin levels, which is the signaling molecule that makes them more sensitive to caloric restriction. So deeper fast longer doesn't necessarily work for women. It could throw off her cycle. And then she has the whole uh, complexity of a menstrual cycle to consider if she's still cycling. So looking at progesterone and estrogen and the dance uh, of that throughout the month, the symphony of that throughout the month, those are three things that really need to be taken into consideration. And that's why we're doing clean carb cycling, because you're mitigating those persistently long times of ketosis you're mitigating that and you're still leveraging the benefits of it too. So that's really important. That's the kindling log uh, very, uh, flexibility that I want people to realize. And we have a, I have this conversation in the book to the readers. We have it together is that they, there are some people that have more weight to lose or more insulin resistance, or maybe the guy, a guy's reading it, they can do less clean carb cycling and they're probably going to get better benefits when they do that, at least at the beginning, the first couple of cycles, but even them later on, it's about balance and you want to stay metabolically flexible and not always be in ketosis forever and ever barring a few exceptions, obviously neurological issues, severe insulin resistance, those type of things. Of course, we talk about that, but most people do better with a cyclical ketotarian approach paired with cyclical uh, food uh, window variability. So you're not always doing the same thing. And that's a, a really good thing where they say, you know, variety is the spice of life. That's true when it comes to macronutrient variability and eating windows too. Um, so it doesn't always have to be the same thing every, every time. And that's back to my earlier statement of like, fasting is bad for women. Well, context matters. And it's a matter of how you're doing it too much, too soon, too aggressively, certainly. Too long, certainly. But there's a sweet spot. Mm. And it doesn't have to be these yes or no, it's good and bad. It's how are you using it? And it's uh, really important to understand that. And uh, But look, not all women are the same either. So I think it's also important to understand that is, does she have endometriosis, adenomyosis? Does she have PCOS? Does she have insulin resistance? Does she have of type two diabetes or, or metabolic issues. If she has those problems, more fasting, more lower carb days that mimic fasting is actually going to behoove her earlier on in her journey versus a woman that doesn't have a lot of weight to lose, that doesn't have those problems, that is very lean and maybe has some low sluggish thyroid problems. Cycling is going to be appropriate for her. So it, even within those four weeks, there's adjustments that people can make based on where they're at specifically. So it's, it's something that was important to me because I know all the caveats that people are going to say, but this or but that. And that's me that I can't hang my hat on one set of thing to do for everybody. So even those four weeks, there's a lot of customizations that people can adjust and I put them in there so people can tweak it for themselves. Mm -hmm. Man, you, you do such a good job of being able to, to take these you know, I mean, even just trying to do an elimination diet to find your trigger foods and inflammatory foods, like what a beast of a process, but you're so good at that. You really do have Thanks. a talent for being able to break this down of, you know, creating that structure that it's structured enough that it's going to get the job done if you follow it, but still yeah. enough, you know, flexibility that you find, like, where are you going to be best suited and be able to make those kind of um, micro adjustments along the way? Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's a uh... It's definitely a passion of mine. And I, I, I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm like, oh man, this is how I need to put it. This is how I need to say it. So it's, it's cool. I, I love it. I think I was, a. it's so much of my job. So much is your, of your job too. It's teaching. And I think mm -hmm. that that's what this is. It's really just knowing the problems and knowing how people receive information and making it doable if you're not there mm -hmm. to try to like lay it out for them, you know? Oh, absolutely. Well, it's like, I bet you have a, a notepad on your nightstand at night. So that it, oh, I yeah. mean, I, I know I do. I'm like, oh, I can yeah. write that down real yeah. quick. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a moment to thank you all so much for listening to the Holistic Savage podcast. We on the Holistic Savage team all really appreciate you and want to stay connected with you. So please rate, review, and subscribe to help the podcast grow. And if you like the podcast, help get the word out. And now back to the show. Oh 
man, it was super exciting. Um, what else was I just, how are you doing on time, by the way? I didn't want to be I'm, respectful. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Sweet, sweet. Um, what was I going to ask? It was something. Mm, it's probably related to fasting. Um, so, you know, I'd be curious to, um, oh, that was it. So these days there's all this, you know, biohacking and then fasting mimicking diet. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be curious, you know, whether it's exogenous ketones or like there's the prolon thing. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you factor in some of that? Because mm-hmm. like, or do you talk about some of that in the book of these, you know, like little biohacks or kind of things that maybe can help you get some of the benefits or help maybe aid the process? I, I'd just be curious your stance on some of those things. Yeah. So I, I talk about Walter Longo's research in ketotarian more than the, than this because ketotarian or the fasting mimicking diet, as he as he trademarks it, it is really a low carb ketotarian diet. It, it is just a re- caloric restriction for a period of time that is plant based keto. Um, so it's not done exactly like ketotarian because there's a lot of legumes and stuff in there, but still, it's you know under that same umbrella. Um, and I think the research is really powerful is that modified fast and it's mimicking the same, the same things as fasting, uh, and it's deeper ketosis because of the caloric restriction. So what I would say, uh, to that is, uh, is very complimentary. I have many people that will do a fasting mimicking diet on, you know, the, the prolon program for, which is like five days, right? It's Monday, you know, you typically start Monday through Friday or however you want to do it. It's five days. Um, and it comes in a kit and, and they sell it there at Prolon. And um, I think it's really complimentary to what we're doing. So if they, I have some people that what one point of saying this is some people will do the Prolon and then segue right into ketotarian or segue right into what I'm talking about intuitive fasting because they're really complimentary. Um, exogenous ketones are great tools too. I think they're good, almost segue tools to use mm-hmm. at the beginning when you're gaining, gaining metabolic flexibility. Or maybe you have a heavy workout or you have a busy day ahead of you. I think exogenous ketones or MCT oil, which increases uh, ketones too, can be really helpful when you need optimal brain function, optimal energy, optimal energy output with the workout, uh, especially the beginning. But by all means, people can continue using those. Um, And they're complementary to it. But I really want people to really tap into their body's ability to produce ketones. Mm-hmm. So not to say that you're going to undo all that great stuff if you have these things, but I would be curious to know, okay, how much metabolic flexibility are you having and producing endogenously versus how much are you supplementing with it? Mm-hmm. And the only way you really know that is if you go off of these things and test, not that everybody's going to be testing their ketones. They don't have to do that. They can just go off of how they feel, their energy, their sleep, their goals, whatever goals they have. But so there's a time and place for, it. I think it's definitely a tool that's compliant, but it's not a necessity either. Mm-hmm. Cool. I think that's good. Good answer. Fair. Cause certainly I, I think, you know, I, I don't have anything against like biohacking or whatever, but it, it gets a little goofy sometimes. So yeah. it's like, well, why don't we just do, you know, yeah. the way that nature kind of wants us to do it rather than trying yeah. to. No, and I, I think you're right. And I a lot of times p- these ketone companies, and I get it, they're trying to probably broaden their audience, but they, I think some of them advocate for not even following a clean diet. They're mm-hmm. just like boost your energy with these ketones because you can raise your ketones even with, without changing your diet. And it, yeah, you're going to get brain boosting benefits from it. Probably you're going to have increased energy because this fourth macronutrient is increased because you're supplementing with it, but you're not producing it naturally. And it's not just about high ketones. And that's it. That's not the goal. It's mm-hmm. like ketones paired with normal blood sugar, and you're not going to get normal blood sugar unless you change your diet. Uh, so it's definitely normal insulin, normal blood sugar, then like good level, healthy levels of nutritional ketones cyclically, not mm-hmm. all the time. But yeah, so I would pr- much prefer your body to do the job versus you supplementing with it. Yeah. You know, and, and it's crazy. It'll be interesting to see over the coming years. Uh, because, you know, it takes it takes 10, 15, 20 years as the information kind of leaks down from it's like it starts with the researchers and then the clinicians are jumping all over that. And then, the you know, and eventually yeah. gen pop. And mm-hmm. so it's like in the beginning of my career, 
it was like only the cool people were talking about keto. Like if you were in the know, you were one of those like elite few or whatever. Whereas then now these days, it's like, if you haven't tried keto, you know, what's wrong with you? Um, <laughs> or as that sprouts over here and I saw they had a, you know, magazine on the cover talking about gut health and it's like, all right, well, we're getting there. But of course, as stuff filters down, it tends to get a little bit diluted and convoluted. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how fasting kind of gets brought into mainstream because you can imagine how, you know, with a not as educated or precise approach, I mean, it could just be a total, you know, rolling dumpster fire pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is why you wrote a book about it. Yeah, just no, I get it. Out there, yeah. man. It's true. It's true. Yeah, it is very true because I don't think fasting's had its full pop culture like i don't i mean you know what i mean the manipulation of the message where it's being abused in a in a way that's not appropriate but yeah i think that all good things and i like what you said earlier because it's definitely a part of the conversation i'm having in the book is that you can have any wellness tool whether that's ketogenic diet fasting different supplements exogenous ketones uh, and that tool can be used properly or improperly. You can come into it with an awesome headspace or really unhealthy headspace too. So that same thing that can be an amazing modulator of health for one person can be brought in with like a sense of shame and obsession and stress and an unhealthy relationship with it and be abused. That's like almost everything under the sun. So we are obviously only advocating for people to use these things in appropriate ways and in context to actually benefit their life, benefit their life. They feel better, not worse mm-hmm. from these things. So that's what this is about. So uh, I just, yeah, but I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be articles. I mean, can you, can you remember like a year or two ago, two years ago, the keto, the amount of the keto craziness, like they were just like, like they wrote right the craziest things about the ketogenic diet uh because it just was so got out of hand but it was good clicks for for traffic yeah yeah such, such is the way but yeah you know I, I like how we we started the conversation kind of touching on the spirituality side because of course you know fasting has has been a major you know religious practice uh, around the world for well ever mm-hmm. um you know and i think that's Pretty, I'd be curious if you discuss some of that in the book too, because I definitely, I think there is something about fasting and, and, you know, that, that discipline of like, um, rather than just feeding that in, like, for example, you know, we see that, you know, dopamine associated with that instant gratification versus delayed gratification kind of enhances the serotonin response. And you look at one in five Americans on antidepressants and suicide being a top 10 killer of Americans in the mental health crisis, which is kind of the focal point of my work, um, there's something very like spiritually connecting about fasting. I mean, I remember like back in my wrestling days and cutting weight or bodybuilding days and, you know, shrinking down, you do feel more connected source, God Mm -hmm. universe. Um, so I'd be curious, do you weave some of that into the book at all? And yeah. yeah. Oh Yeah. I I do. And I want and I keep it like super self-help just on a surface level for some people. But we go deeper for people that are open to it. So they can use it as a form of prayer and meditation. They can just use it as a time of journaling. They can use it as a time to write their to-do list to get outside of themselves. They can use it forest bathing, like get out in nature uh, and meditate while they're out there. Um, there's so many ways, but what I call them in the book are metaphysical meals. So Mm -hmm. basically instead of like having your breakfast, lunch, and dinner, if you're doing a deeper fast, like go towards one of these acts of stillness to, uh, satiate your soul during that time too, because as your dependence on physical things diminishes, the spirit gets lighter and more loud. It's more clear. And that's your intuition. So I think that absolutely, I want people to leverage that time of stillness to actually heal things that need to be healed, not just on a physical level. So yeah, it's definitely an important part. And uh, people will learn about that too. Metaphysical meals. You're such a spiritual (laughs) gangster, man. I love it. You know, a while back, I saw you had posted on on Instagram or something about Shinrin Yoku. And I was like, "Ah, I knew I loved this guy. (laughs) Want to go Shinrin Yoku, bro? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you know, I posted that 
I posted about it a couple of times, but I did an Instagram reel with cinnamon yoku forest bathing. And some of the people in the comments were like, just call it hiking, man. Like you're, this is what you give wellness a bad name. I'm like, well, actually this is not the same as hiking. This is actually using meditation during that time. And that's part of our problem in culture that we somehow think that, well, first of all, it's just a Japanese translation. That's how they translate it. Uh, and I think it's quite descriptive forest bathing. It's mm -hmm. actually quite much an immersive meditative experience, not just running through the woods to get your cardio in. It is actually a spiritual uh, practice as well. So I think it's actually quite descriptive with the translation. Uh, but, but Americans can be somehow offended by the stillness sometimes. Oh, they can be offended by anything. Yeah, you know, it's, my, it's, a, it's, a, it's a forte. <laughs> it, you know, the that I mean, that's a whole other tangent with just the victim mentality in, in our nation, unfortunately. And, and that's where I, I, I hope that the events of 2020 evoke a massive awakening for, for our population. Because, I mean, it to me, to people like you and I, I think it's very clear, you know, the functional, holistic, zen. I mean, this this is the way it's it's the only way it's the way that we have lost we lost our way and yeah. we have to unlearn and relearn that way and you know i i love like the teachings of alan watts and you know i go for my my nature walk my walking meditation shinrin yoku time every afternoon to kind of unplug from the matrix that is our virtual business life but i have to stop like i got to stop myself halfway through the walk in the woods and and find that stillness, right? And how many people um, are good at that, being able to stop and, and come to a place of stillness. So I think fasting, breath work, time in nature, and hell, I mean, even psychedelics can be a very powerful tool to help with that connection to the, to the psyche, which means soul, right? Mm -hmm. So I love the way, and I think that's why we get along so well, the, the way that you you know, are really uh, weaving the the scientific, the clinical, but with the innate wisdom, with the mm -hmm. spirituality, because, you know, they, they go hand in hand. They really are one in the same when you get down to it. Yeah, so totally. Uh, and people need to see it. It's not science versus spirit. It's really part of the same thing, just different ways of explaining it, different ways of understanding it. And in many ways, science catches up with that mm -hmm. uh, in many ways. So humans would have done things for thousands of years. They didn't know the mechanisms. They yeah. didn't have double-blind placebo-controlled trials to know why they were doing the things they do, but we confirm things. And there's a lot of other crazy things that humans did that weren't good either. But if it's in alignment with what's actually bettering your life, and we can show that with science, that's the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the way I like to pose it is, uh, spirituality is is really the intuitive pursuit of truth versus science is kind of the objective pursuit of truth. But either way, you know, mm -hmm. it's still truth that we're going after there. So absolutely awesome. So um, as we start wrapping up, man, where can I and everybody else, where can we get this book? Yeah, so it's on pre-order whenever people hear this. If they're hearing it after February 23rd, 2021, it'll be out. Uh, but it, it can go on drwillcole.com. They all have all the links on the site. Uh, but Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, go like support your independent bookstores. Um, so any place like that, they can get intuitive fasting. Perfect. So we're gonna we're gonna to everybody. Well, I guess when they hear me saying this, they'll uh, be listening to it. But we're gonna get this episode out in February to coincide with that. Uh, I can't wait to grab my copy and. Um, the, the day that we do get to hang out in person, I'm going to make you sign it and we're going to take a picture and have yes. a cool moment. I should get like, t do you have one of these t-shirts yet, I, man? I know I need one. I would love it. <sighs> all right. All right. So I'm going to get you a t-shirt and then you're going to sign a book for me. Yes. I will wear like it. I will wear it. On it. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> anytime. Anytime. Thanks. Cool, man. Well, so um, before I let you go, what's on the the radar for 2021? I mean, you're you're going to be launching a big book. Are there any yeah. big uh, events or projects? Going launching on? the book, and uh, you know, we I'm actually launching a podcast, so we'll have to have you on, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I launching that in January too. Uh, it's called The Art of Being Well, and. Um, yeah, I think that mainly, I mean, it's patience primarily. So Monday through end of the week, I'm 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. That's what I'm doing. But like I block, it's like pockets of time where I could talk to awesome people like yourself or, you know, talk to people on the podcast. So I'll, I'll pepper that throughout the week, but it's mainly patient stuff. So 
basically, you think people can keep up with what I'm doing at drwillcole.com on Instagram at drwillcole, all that stuff. That I'll, if anything changes, but at this point, it's only book podcast patients, <laughs> not in that order, but you know. Absolutely. We'll we'll make sure to have you know all the links, everything in the uh, the show notes for the episode. But um, man, I, I really have a, a lot of respect for for you and your work. You know, obviously a ton of synergy. I, I love the vibe that we've got, and um, you know, kind of on a heartfelt note, it's just like 2020 was a hell of a year for a lot of people. But I think it's such an exciting time for uh, people like us in our industry and and all the like minded and like every life and person that I see this stuff touch, like it's just, it blossoms. Um, so I think we're at this, this moment, this very pivotal moment in human mankind history, um, where it's, it's, we have to opt in to participate in the collective healing of humanity. And so I'm just so grateful for people like you. And, and I know that's like together and all of our other yeah. functional friends, like, you know, we can really do something good. And I, I think the next 10 years could be uh, a massive shift in, in human consciousness. Yeah, on totally that, agree know? with you. I, I feel the same way about you. I really do. And it goes back to that spiritual pr principle. I think the greater the darkness, the greater potential for light. And I think that's really what this is. This is creating a vacuum for some awesome things to fill it up with. Yeah, well, very well said. Very well said. So on that note, I'll let you get back to uh, your patient load and everything. But hey, man, it's so great to be connected to you. I, I love the... Uh, opportunity to hang out. So I uh, can't wait to release this episode and read your book. And I can't wait for when conferences and travel happens again. So that way we can, we can hang out in person, my friend. Yes. Likewise. Likewise. Thank you. All right, man. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. I'm sure we'll talk soon.